This episode of Ghosted in West Virginia is brought to you by Right Live. Weddings, private events, band and DJ bookings, live sound, and more. Contact Right Live for all your event needs. We are dedicated to providing entertainment, promotion, production for all of your special events. Contact them at rightliveevents.com, rightliveevents at gmail.com, or on Facebook at Right Live. Until then, enjoy Ghosted by Right Live. Hey guys, it is I from Gro- Alec from Ghosted in West Virginia. I'm just here to tell you that if you want to help Ghosted uh, become the podcast that you, you know it can be, rate, review, and follow wherever you listen to our podcast and spread the show around. All right, let's really get a lot of people in our graveyard. Let's go, folks. You're listening to Ghosted in West Virginia. Obsessors, oppressors, and possessors, it is I, your humble and hairy host, Alec McCann, and with me as always, Julia, and we also have Jacob in the back seat for a little bit. Heyo. He's. We're on our way to basketball practice yet again, but this time we'll be in the car. Now, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um. Tonight's episode is. A little bit different. Not a lot of paranormal stuff happens in it. I'm going to be upfront about that. It is a possession case from Ed and Lorraine Warren, but it's also really weird and interesting. So it's not scary. Like if you put yourself in some of the people's positions, it's scary. But other than that, it's not. It's not scary. It's really more of a mental thriller, almost. I like those. Yes. So, on December 5th, 1983, in South End on Sea, Essex, which is the town name, but from here on in, we're going to call it South End. Okay. Uh, an emergency room nurse was out for a break for her evening shift. It was a foggy English night, and she went for a quick walk to break the funk of the evening. As she was walking, she heard footsteps fall in step behind her. She turned, and at first she could see no one behind her, but the footsteps did remain. She hurriedly headed to the entrance of the hospital so that she could be in full view of people. She then turned to the footsteps and saw a figure start to materialize in the fog. It was a hundred 
or I'm sorry, it was 100 feet. <laughs> I was going to say. 100 feet tall. It was a monster. It was hunched over, and his hands were carried as if they were claws. Now, I'm, I'm thinking it looked like, like the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park, you know? Yeah. Arrgh, that could open doors. She, I don't know what that last bit was. I don't know either. She asked if she could do anything to help the person in front of her, and, the, and uh, he just remained silent. Something about the creature put her on edge. When she, uh, when the figure took one single step towards her, she ran into the emergency room and down an empty hallway. I believe I would too. She was halfway down the hall when she turned right and ran right into another nurse who asked if she was okay because you know she bumped into her. He was like, "Oh, you, 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 you crashing? Like, what's going on?" The event had shaken her up, but being around people helped. And uh, other than that episode she was having a very typical shift so she calmed down two hours after she got herself together and attended to some patients who had been involved in a drunk driving accident she noticed that there were two officers waiting in the hospital chomping at the bit champing is really what it is whatever uh at the bit to talk to the driver because the driver was as i said before drunk the passengers were all lucky to be alive, but the uh, van or truck he was driving, I can't remember which. I'm sure it'll come up later, but one of those two vehicles was in a ditch, rolled over. She heard a noise at the far end of the ER, and she briskly went to the door to inspect what the noise was. Which, as we all know, in a horror movie, even in a hospital, because we have seen Halloween too. Right. You do not go to a noise, ever. Nope, you let it come to you. You don't, don't you don't, you go the opposite direction. Why are you going to let it come to you? Don't investigate. That's right. Now, when she went to the door, she saw what she soon realized was the creature in the fog. But it was actually just a man. He was clearly disturbed. Here we go with the disturbed again. Uh, In our following episode after this, you will notice that we start laughing because someone in the episode is described as disturbed. Um, But we recorded that one before we recorded this one. And it made the nurse defensive without an actual reason. Just looking at him, she was like, oh, I need to put up my guard. The man asked for help, and the nurse tried to lead him into the hospital, but the man refused. He said he wanted to tell her the truth about what was going on with him before he entered the hospital. And at this point, she thought he was drunk and possibly one of the passengers that she wasn't treating. After a few silent seconds, he told her a statement that was so ridiculous, it pointed to a much larger problem. He told her that he was turning into a wolf and the nerf, nerf, the okay. nurse laughed at first which I would tell be like okay you I know feel what like I would just immediately be like let's go upstairs <laughs> to the psych ward they'll help you however after a second thought she remembered the figure she saw in the fog he was a normal looking man now but there was something predatory in his presence in the fog So she was willing to take it a little bit serious. Not so much that he was turning into a wolf, but so much that he believed 
he was turning into a wolf and acting accordingly. As soon, or as they stood there, the man still hunched over, his hands were still curled up like claws, and the nurse heard an animalistic sound elicit from the man. It didn't sound like the sound of a man, but it did sound like some sort of wolf. Um, Without warning, the man roared out, struck her with his clawed hand so hard, she slammed into the wall and was knocked unconscious. The police that had been stationed in the hallway were now interviewing the drunk driver of the accident, but there were two patients in the ER lobby and they saw the attack. They immediately jumped into action, trying desperately to stop the man's attack on the nurse. However, the enraged man clocked one of them in the draw or in the jaw and he dropped. This dude is knocking people. I know people don't just get knocked out right and left. Right. Like you get hit with one hit and get knocked out, you've got a glass jaw. Yeah. And maybe this dude has a glass jaw. And the nurse probably has a glass jaw for the basic fact that her bones aren't as dense. What? That's a real thing. That's not a sexist statement. That's just saying this man has... And you'll find out he has strength. Like, he has unnatural strength. Well, maybe not unnatural strength, but like... Dare I say crazy person strength? Is that is that a... Is that a, a bad term? I don't think that's a bad term. Crazy, crazy people strength. I mean, it may be a bad term, but it's true. Yeah. Um... But, the question I have about the strength is, is it crazy person strength? Because, as we'll find out later, there are different determinant factors, as it were. Um, So, an orderly was coming around the corner, and he saw the fight happening. Oh, hold on. Something's happened here. I don't know what. Oh, no. I'm done. Thank you. Oh, no. What has happened? I'm going to pause. I have fixed the problem and the child has been delivered to practice. And it is freaking cold. Yes, 35 degrees. Thank goodness for a running car and gas. Yeah. Um, All right, so the... I need the orderly part. That's where we were. Yep. An orderly was coming around the corner and he saw the fighting happen. Rather than try to defend the nurse, he ran away. He heard the man let loose an inhuman howl from his throat and so he ran in the opposite (laughs) direction to to find the doctor of the ER. I ain't even doing that. it's, It's time for me to go. The doctor went to go get a syringe. And he filled it with three cc's of Thorazine. When he got to the site, he found that both patients had been knocked out now, and the deranged man was now throwing furniture around the lobby. Wasn't worried about the nurse any any longer. Intending to distract the man so the doc could jab him, the orderly got in front of the man, but was then thrown into a wall by the hangry individual. I say hangry because he's a wolf. Right. He's a wolf man. Now getting 
back up, he ducked a strike from the wolfman, and then the doctor was able to jab his buttocks with the needle and inject the medicine. The man whirled on the dock, and the dock was startled because the man did not ha- or did have some resemblance to a wolf. Not a full-on werewolf, but there were normal features. After a while, the man, still continuing to growl menacingly, fell to the floor and all power gone from his physique. The orderly helped the nurse up and the doctor stood staring down at the now docile individual, trying to comprehend what he was seeing and just the events on the whole of the evening. This man's name was Bill Ramsey. Now, I believe I believe he's still alive, but I'm not real sure. Bill Ramsey was born November 11th, 1943. Ooh, which too. is... Oh, yeah? Yep. Um, that's when Hitler decided to destroy a decent size of the population, take over the world. And by population, I mean the Jews and the, and the gypsies. He really did not enjoy gypsies. No? No, he was not a fan. Um, He was born in Southend-on-Sea. And that drives me insane because I want to say Southend-on-the-Sea, but it is not on the sea. It's on sea. And was forming memories when Germany was bombing London. Growing up, he was a normal boy. He had common interests that boys often had in their youth. Uh, He had a number of jobs as a child. The old philosophy was, if you were old enough to hold a hammer, you were old enough to work. Nice. He was described as an indifferent student, except when it came to English and French. Which, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. I like that he was like, eh, I like languages. Although. I like rocks. I like rocks. (laughs) He was proficient in both. He loved movies and dating, as well as a pretty good, or he was a pretty good goalie for the school's football team. Soccer. I was going to say, football doesn't have goalies. I was confused. Very American of you. It was. He grew up well and left school two years before he graduated and found a talent for carpentry and he made good money for his trade and moved to London he met his wife Nina and married her in 1965 they had three children and named them Sonia, Lisa, and Carl with a K white boy Carl that's all I can ever think of when I hear Carl he was by all accounts a good husband and a good father He exhibited great patience and was able to give his wife a break when she needed it. During all this happiness, Bill started to have a recurring dream that started him on a path he seemed to have no control over. His wife would be washing breakfast dishes and he would walk up behind her. When when he would call her name, she would be smiling until she looked at him and the smile would vanish and a scream would replace it. She would scream so violently that he would flee, knowing that he had somehow transformed into a monster. The dream would haunt him for two years, and then in the summer of 67, the dream just stopped. That that would be weird. Like, I'd be like, I'm not getting enough sleep because of this dream. And then I it goes away. I used to have dream 
like the same dream all the time and then it just stopped and I haven't had it since. Did it, like, was it a scary dream? It was not so much scary, but a little bit unnerving. And I mean, I was a child and a teenager and I, I mean, I had this dream all the time and I haven't had it in a very long time now. I imagine if I'm having a dream that I'm turning into a monster, I would, I would be afraid to go back to sleep and then when I go to sleep and it doesn't happen, I feel like that would nerve wreck me a little bit more. Why did it stop? You know, that kind of thing. Mine always had dinosaurs in them. Oh, I had dreams. <laughs> I had dreams of dinosaurs. They were so cool. They'd be running. Velociraptors would be running next to the car and I, like not attacking. It was like it was like a safari park, but with dinosaurs, which I guess is what Jurassic Park was. Yeah. So I went to Jurassic Park in my dreams, just with less safety measures. Now, with the anxiety taken from him, he returned to life as normal and allowed himself to enjoy his family once again because he had withdrawn from these dreams because, you know, they would take psychological effect. He was more successful than ever and was even able to start putting money back for vacations and things. He was a ball of contentment and joy. Your neck okay? My shoulder hurts. You tweak it like an old girl? Meow. Probably from being stiff from my knee. That probably does have correlation, but in my head, I wanted to laugh at you. Uh, Somewhere else. Yeah, no, I knew that. I just, I wanted to laugh at you because as a dumb person, that would be funny. The dream didn't enter his mind for a year and a half, and when it did enter his mind again, it came back with a vengeance. He woke up one evening in a cold sweat. He was unsure as to what woke him up, but nothing seemed amiss. His wife was still by his side, and his face still felt normal. Cutting through the darkness of his room came a low animal growl. Bill searched for the source of the sound, and his eyes led him to a dark, crouched creature in the corner of the room. He watched it as it seemingly evaporated, and then the growl came again, only it was much closer. It was coming from his own chest. He was scared, but he eventually settled down and went back to sleep. Not me. If I'm growling uncontrollably after seeing a a black creature, you can forget about sleep. Let's just move on to the next event. Thank you. What's happening on the TV? There's the upstairs, Bill. The family was enjoying their dinner when the TV stated that it would be showing the Wolfman that night. And, and, uh, typically he loved this movie. You know, it's the old Lawrence or Lon Chaney movie. You've never seen the black and white Wolfman movie? Dude, how have you avoided so many cool things in your life? Well, one thing, I don't enjoy watching TV. (laughs) You know, my mom and so many other people are like, oh my God, you have to check out this show. No, I don't think I will. Because I don't, I don't like it. It's not fun for me. I like our movies when we go to bed at night, but that's about the extent of my TV watching. Well, that's... <sighs> You'd probably just have better things. It's anyway. It's boring and it's noisy. It was a, it was a, it was a cool wolf, werewolf movie. You know, the 
special effects were crappy, but he did look like uh, like what you would imagine a werewolf would look like. It was pretty good. I love it. I do enjoy it. I've watched it several times. I've watched all. Well, not all those movies, but Frankenstein, Dracula, and The Mummy. The three big black and white ones, I have watched them several times. Bella Lugosi as Dracula was perfect. He was like, yeah. I do not enjoy mirrors in my country. Now, Gary Oldman did a good Dracula, too. But we're not about vampires. We're about werewolves. Let's go. When his wife told him that he would love to watch it, he snapped. He threw his napkin down on the table and told her that it should have occurred to her that he might have been sick of that movie. And with that, he stormed out, leaving his wife in tears, both of them baffled as to what had set him off. He didn't understand either. He walked away from that going, why? Now, he wanted some distance from the situation, so he, he went on a walk to set his mind right. And as he walked, he remembered a day from when he was nine that was an odd thing to forget until this moment. I'm going to say that now. It's a weird thing okay. to forget. <clears throat> like, I would replay this frequently in my head. He was the kind of boy that loved to play in the backyard of his home. And sometimes he'd be by himself. Sometimes his mom would be outside hanging wash. As a child of seven siblings, sometimes this was all the time he was going to get. Also, it made it very clear that his parents were also not too interested in him. But to be fair... With that many kids... Yeah. Like... It's hard to show yeah. interest to every child with that many children. One particular day, Bill was playing out in the yard when he suddenly felt cold. He described it like this. Have you ever walked into a meat locker right after you've been outside on a hot day? That's what this was like. I was playing and my body temperature dropped a good 20 degrees. Sweat froze on me. My whole That's a weird thing. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of any, any paranormal activity where the sweat freezes to a person. Also, if he was part wolf, wouldn't his temperature have risen? Oh, that's that twilight bowl. Like, dogs have higher body temperatures than we do. Well, this so. is also not like a, a werewolf werewolf. This is just, it's just called the South End werewolf. But he's hes not like how you would picture a, a typical werewolf. This is a, a, a possession case. This is a spirit of something. Yeah. But we're trying not to skip ahead. You make it difficult. <laughs> um, so, he said, sweat froze on me. My whole body started shaking. It was as if I had opened this door and stepped inside to another dimension or something. And there was this odor, a very foul odor. I, I, a few years earlier, a sewer on our street backed up. I'd, I'd never smelled anything as foul as the gases that escaped. And that's what this smell was like that afternoon. I was afraid I was going to vomit. Now, he stood in the backyard, no longer wishing to play. He, he felt a change in himself uh, that was terrible, and he had no idea what it was. It, he just kind of, the smell and the chill eventually left, and he resumed his play, but it was just half-hearted. 
he no longer felt like a child, but instead felt childish. He's like, eh, this is dumb. And it's so weird that it was just a snap, like, yeah. something's wrong. The light was starting to fade, and darkness was about to bring the evening. So still, Billiam, as I'm going to call him there, was standing in his yard wondering why he was not feeling like a child anymore. Because it was so sudden. And then he was in his backyard staring up at the night stars, once again feeling that ominous cold creep up on him. He started walking to the fence and he looked down the narrow alleyway that was behind his house. Then he just kind of let himself daydream about going aboard a ship and sailing away to a place people wouldn't know the truth about him. He was, uh, he now was cold and empty inside and people would notice. New images flashed through his mind of him changing into a wolf. Through his thoughts, he heard his mom calling him, and anger and wrath rose up inside of him. And this is how he describes it. Yeah. He turned and tried to go to his mother and then tripped over the fence somehow. So, in his rage, he growled like a wolf, attacked the fence, and pulled the post from the ground. And how old was he? Nine. Nine years old, he pulled a post out of the ground. Um, And it flung, and he pulled it with such force that it flung grass and dirt all the way to the back porch. His mother screamed out for his father, and both of them rushed out to stop him. He was swinging it around like a baseball bat. And uh, he was lifting the post uh, that would have been heavy for a normal man at the age of nine. In fact, it took three people to put the post in the ground. So, and then this nine-year-old just pulls it out. Yeah, whips it around. Whips it around, yep. When his parents told him to put the post on the ground, he did drop it and then immediately attack it. Like, I picture it like Max. He fell to the ground and started to rip the wire... (laughs) Uh, fencing from the post with his bare hands and when that wasn't fast enough he started to tear it apart with his teeth his father tried to pull him away from the post but couldn't budge him the only thing that snapped him out of his rage was the sound of his mother sobbing profusely his hands and mouth were dripping with his own blood he threw the post back to the ground Bill could still feel the bitter cold in the center of him but he tried to keep control of himself. Uh, he turned to his parents to say something loving to them, to reassure them. But when he oh, saw them, on. when he saw them, like with his own eyes, he turns, he sees them, and then he just howls with rage again. He saw himself as a wolf again, and he attacked his parents. He raged forward. His parents ran to escape him. They're running from this nine-year-old. I probably would too. His mother tripped on the porch and his father turned back to help her. He saw that a wolf, he was like, oh, that's a wolf, has replaced my son. And this is in the father's words. He did not see his boy. He saw a wolf is what he claims to have seen. Um, Eventually, they get inside, they bolt the door, and they leave Bill to go feral in the backyard. (laughs) 
And the other manager's like, what's he doing now? He's at, back at that post. Oh, now, Bill, Bill, that, he's and marking that his point, territory. Like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like, do you call the police to come help you? Or uh, not in, control, not in, not in 1940-something. Maybe animal control? Um, we'll see. Not, he was born in 1943, correct? That's what I said. I believe so. November. So, let's see. 1943. What's nine years? 52. 50, 19, so, 1952 is when this is happening. I really doubt they... You know, you, you didn't call police on family. Uh, as well, far as I know. You're feral. And well, you have changed to they're an just, animal. They're just letting them out in the backyard. That's all you gotta do. Let him, let him <laughs> tucker himself out in the backyard on that post. Eventually, the rage left Bill. He started to feel the cold dissipate and surveyed the area. He knew something had happened that he could never take back. He went to the back door and with his bleeding nine-year-old hand knocked on the door to be let in. Which is such a sad that image to sad. me. But also, you ain't coming in here. Right? No. We can, we can talk through this, his, this little peephole. His parents hesitated, unsure if they could deal with what would be coming through the door. Eventually, they did open the door and comfort their son, who was distraught by what had happened. I bet he was. This was the only incident from his childhood that he seemed to have. Later, as he grew and married, the memory faded to nothingness. The 80s came, and the American recession hit, which affected Britain and Bill himself. He was having to do more than carpentry to make ends meet. He eventually ran into his friend David Carter, who was running a cleaning service, and after seeing that David was having success in this business, he approached David with an offer. He would take the jobs David couldn't do, and give him a percentage of the gross. David agreed, and Bill knew he would need money for the cleaning equipment, so he went to his father-in-law, who thought it was a solid investment because people were always going to need their offices cleaned. Right. Um, in the autumn of that year, he gained traction as an office cleaner and refurbisher because he was doing carpentry, too, so if they had some furniture they needed redone. During the recession, Billy and his family moved back to South End, and he ha now had an office cleaning and repainting in Billerick K. Billerick? K. I can't say the word. Billerick K. Cray. I don't cray. It's not. It's not cray cray. It's K. Ugh. It's a place. Which was just outside of 10 miles from his hometown. For the first few days, Bill's work, or Bill, Bill's, Bill worked alone. All that he really needed to do was clean the office before he painted. And when it came time to paint, he hired two of his friends to help him. And his life was normalizing again. That's good. And it's not like he didn't have any fits or anything during this time. He... It's just that financially it was normalizing. The recession was backing off. He was able to do a lot. Yeah, it's me. Do, he was able to do more. But he keeps the cleaning business. He had pride in his work. And, once again, his family. He's, honestly, there's nothing in this that makes me think Bill isn't just some poor soul that's going through something awful. It's not, you know how, like, 
the one episode we did about the, um, shoot, what was the, the haunting that we did? We still have to do a part three for it. You remember what it was? The, the house, the haunting. I can't remember what it was. Shoot. Hensdale. Yeah, Hensdale. So it was the Hensdale. And the dad, I did not enjoy him. Yeah. We had that one story from the dude's perspective, uh, and he wrote horribly. We made fun of him terribly for yeah. it. It was the, uh, by seven people I don't know. Yeah. Like, that was his problem with it. Um, and I didn't like that dude just because he was kind of a, a dick. Like, yeah. Eh. Um, but Bill is legitimately, I feel bad for Bill because everything coming out about him in my research was that he was a, a decent guy that really loved his family. Um, now, he was having a great fall when everyone else seemed to be falling apart because of the recession. He was still making money. It was not until October that he started to get a little cagey. Bill found himself waking up in the middle of the night and going to the window to look out at the foggy moors. Which, I love the moors. Like, that's where the Hound of Baskerville came from. That's where you, you get all the wolf legends coming out of England. That's yeah. the moors. And you'll find out later in here, the Warrens were investigating ghosts in the moors. I think I want to do an episode on the moors. That'd be cool. If we have enough... Or maybe, Kathy, if you have time, uh, you know, you might be able to find actual investigations better than we can, because uh, you're in that world more than we are. But uh, either way, I want to do an episode on the Moors if there's enough. But anyway, he stares out at the moon for long hours of the night while everyone's sleeping. Sometimes he would feel that familiar cold that had taken over him when he was nine uh, and it would be accompanied by images of him as a wolf he would look at his wife feel the guilt of wanting to pull away and devolve into some vicious animal so as he stood at the window he would tell himself that he was just stressed that's all I'm just stressed I'm working too much you know I'm, I'm trying to do too much he wasn't a wolf and that delusion would be what would do him in if he didn't get control of him. You know, the delusion that he's turning into a wolf. So this continued for a long while. The entire time, he's fighting to keep his sanity. He's always on edge, but not shouting at his family, not angry at his family. He's just keyed up. Um, he kept his feelings tamped down so that no one would be able to perceive that he was having troubles, which is what you did back then. Yeah. Bill's friends, Ronnie and Paul, who were, you know, painting with him, really were reliable when it came to the work. After work, they would often go out to a bar to get a couple of pints before they went home. Remember, people, they do drive home, and guess what? It was a different time. I saw in America uh, in the 80s, it was the 80s, they put out a news report that you were no longer allowed to drink and drive and so many people said it was a communist nation because of that. It's crazy. It was insane. But let's remember it's a different time. Let's not be too hard on Bill again. 
I know people have had lives affected by drunk driving. I know my life has been affected by drunk driving. My mom, when she was pregnant with me, there were some complications with me. Uh, yeah. Just small ones. But still, it was effective. And it definitely freaked her out. So, either way, people, you know, people around the world. But Bill is still a decent dude. Like, even though he is drunk driving, you gotta imagine there's not a lot of people on the road. They're probably okay. Like, ditches are where they're gonna end up. Um, so Bill's friend Ronnie and Paul go with him to get a beer, despite the fact that it was Sunday. <laughs> they do care about that stuff. On their way in, Bill felt the chill roll down his body, but he wasn't concerned because he thought maybe it was just a temperature drop because they had been working, and and so they were inside all day. They come outside. He figured, oh, maybe it's just the temperature drops. Um, so Bill gets well and plastered, which was not, or which was out of the ordinary. You know, he didn't drink a whole lot. Normally, he'd get a few drinks, but not anything insane because he was older and yeah. hangovers could kill him is is how he viewed it they stayed for a few hours and as they were heading out bill went into the men's room to drain his wolf tail after he had evacuated the waste he went that was such a weird way to write that why why i'm right like after he evacuated the waste why just say he peed dude Oh, sometimes I write these and then I'm like, oh, you're so pretentious. You're like Zach Baggins. Even some of the things you say in real life, I'm just like, really? Well, the things I say in real life are usually for comical effect, but I don't think that was written for comical effect. I think I was writing that so that I didn't just say he went pee pee, but that's what he did. He went pee pee. After he had pee-peed the waste, he went, <laughs> he went to the sink to wash his hands. And as he looks into the mirror, he's shocked by what he sees because he sees a wolf staring back at him where his own reflection should be. Now he laughed. That was rude. <laughs> and the image disappeared. He thought he was just too drunk to tell fact from fiction. He dries his hands and stepped out. Paul is driving the fellas home while Ronnie and Billy ride in the back. As they were riding along, Bill felt the chill come over him, and he wanted to hurt his backseat companion more than he wanted anything in his life. To feel the life spill out onto his hands and mouth. Now he's fighting the urge, staring out the window, digging his nails into his palms so deep that it's drawing blood. Then he began praying that he wouldn't turn into a wolf, and then uh, he thought about how a certain church spire had looked against the moon, and that was the end of normality for the night. He felt a deep rumble in his chest and a growl from his lip. Paul turned and was like, hey, bro, are you okay? Because it's not every day you have a man growling in, in your right. back seat. Ronnie told him to settle down. <laughs> settle down, man. 
but the growling continued until don't punch the driver. No, you don't punch the driver. Um, the growling continued until all of a sudden the attack came, and he went after Ronnie while Paul kept driving for about five minutes. So he's just whooping Ronnie's tail while Paul's like, "Hey, would you two stop it for five minutes?" He drives. Bill scratched and hit Ronnie, and then bit into his leg. Paul reported... that would be the last time I ever hung out with him. Paul reported that when he turned to stop Billy, the way the shadows fell around him, he really had a wolf-like quality to him. So all these people are saying he did look wolf-like. Even the doctor was like, he he looked like a wolf. Like there was something inhuman about the way he looked. Paul called Ronnie to get away from Billy, which Ronnie heeded. It took the men several minutes to put Billy down. And that was the end. That's the end of the episode. We know that. <laughs> they shoved him into the corner of a car and held on to him until they noticed that he was calming down. His bared teeth went back behind his lips and straightened out or and he straightened out his fingers so they were no longer claw-like and a whimper seemed to be coming from him. He wrenched himself away from his companions, ran to the edge of the forest, only to relieve himself while his friends called out to him. He didn't fully remember what had just happened. In fact, all he could remember was that something had happened. His only vivid memories were back in the bar. He asked his friends if he was okay, or he asked his friend if he was okay, and he told them he was, and asked why he wouldn't be. I'm sorry, his friends asked. He didn't ask his friends. His friends asked him if he was okay. He said, yes, why wouldn't I be? And neither of them said, because you bit my leg. (laughs) Without further words, he got into the vehicle, ready to go home. Ronnie and Paul were sitting up front, (laughs) neither neither wanting to sit uh, with their longtime friend. Four hours after he got home, his wife woke him up to tell him he was scaring her. He thought she was talking about his snoring, but that's when she informed him that he had been growling in his sleep. Now his anxiety peaked because now he was changing into sleep and in bed with his wife. Creepy. What happens if he has an attack when... That looks serious. Right. What happens if he has an attack while he is in bed with his wife and he kills her. Like, he's, you know, yeah. really concerned at the fact that she had been able to witness a part of what was happening to him as well. She asked if he wanted to talk about it, and he told her they would in the morning. They went back to sleep, and poor Billy had another strange dream. In the dream, he was in a field, and it was raining. There was an animal racing through the grass, and he saw that it was a wolf running, and for some strange reason, he urged the animal to run faster. As he watched, he saw two hunters coming into view, riding white horses and carrying long rifles. He knew they were there to kill the wolf, and he urged it to run even faster. And then suddenly, he was awake and soaked in sweat, feeling not like Bill Ramsey, but a stranger in a strange house. It's a creepy dream. While they were eating breakfast, Bill told his wife what had been going on. As he spoke, he felt extremely dumb, and eventually... He just stopped talking. He was like, I feel like a wolf. Nita told him that she was worried. Not that he was turning into an actual wolf. 
but that he was just working himself too much. Through his talk with his wife, he began to realize that he was becoming ridiculous. Men don't turn into wolves. Humans don't shapeshift. Skinwalkers don't exist. Lies. Have you seen some of them pictures of the Max? <laughs> if he's a skinwalker, then we need to get rid of him because that means we have a stranger living in our house who has seen us do things in our room to each other. But he's so cute. But what if he's a human? And he takes that to the bathroom while we're sleeping. Ew. Exactly. As long as he keeps it in there, I guess. Uh-huh. Just so you guys know, the child is not in here anymore. I want to repeat that because that was gross. But I just wanted to repeat it. When he went to work, he could he got a good ribbing from Ronnie and Paul. I don't think so. I'd be like, what right. did you do last night? Why did you bite me? I'm not giving you a ribbing. I'm giving you a thrashing, maybe. I'm not even coming back to work. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're my boss, times are and tough, you bit man. Me, times are tough. I don't care how tough they are. That's not happening. So they asked if he had had any wolf attacks lately, <laughs> and he lied to them, telling them he was just putting them on. They went through their day and then shared some beers, and Bill ended the cycle of abnormality and unscathed. And feeling like there was no real issue now. Now, I've just bit my friend because I thought I was a wolf. But there's no issue. Now, Nina said that for a year and a half, nothing terrible happened. In fact, they were experiencing more success than what they had. The construction industry started to see new growth. And Bill was able to sell his cleaning company and get back to his real passion, which was carpentry. He also took odd jobs because he felt deep guilt if he wasn't making money. He eventually took a side job at a taxi company working dispatch, and he greatly enjoyed the job because of the stories that the cabbies would tell. I imagine that would be fun. Oh, that's a fun episode. Put that in our notes. Cabbie ghost stories or something. Now, during all that time, though, Nina kept a close eye on Bill, looking for signs of a breakdown. She felt he, like all men during that time, was keeping all of his troubles bottled up. She thought if she kept a close eye on him, she could stop any possibilities of something bad happening. Or happening, I'm sorry. She did notice a gradual change in him, but it was not something that would be seen during the day. But at night, his sleep habits were changing. At 3.38, she woke up and found Bill just crying at the window. She's supposed to be with our child. Not today. Oh. That was Monday. And oh. she was. Okay. <laughs> Um, she got up to go to him. Oh, did I say he was crying at the window? Yes. Okay. She got up to go to him, but he urged her to go back to sleep. What had woken her were the sounds of some sort of animal coming from her husband. She got in bed, watched him for an hour, prodding and poking his face as if to reassure him (laughs) that it was still his own face. And then he got back into bed two hours later. You know what that reminds me of? Did you ever see The Fly with Jeff Goldblum? No. It's a, that's what it reminds me of. It kind of also reminds me of you and your UFO. It was a real thing! <laughs> Jules, it was a real thing. I'm telling you, there was, there was something in the sky. I'm not willing to call it a UFO, but it seems unlikely to have been a drone. And it definitely wasn't a plane. 
And we would have heard in a helicopter. Didn't we have COVID? Maybe you were having a fever dream. You saw it too. Maybe I was included in your fever dream. <laughs> okay. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, there was a particular night that a British officer had the feeling that something terrible would happen during his shift. He likened it to a night that a friend of his was sitting on the edge of their bed trembling. The man had called for his wife and told her that he saw something in the mirror while he was shaving. He saw a hooded black figure that had appeared to him in the mirror with an ex- uh, and it extended a skeletal hand towards him before dissipating. And then his friend died that night. Creepy. And just so you know, the friend that died is the one that saw that. The wife repeated the story to everybody else. Um, Wait, he, so what happened? The, the friend died. Yeah, the British, the British officer said that he had the same type of feeling that his friend had had when he saw this hooded figure in his mirror. Okay. And then his friend had died that night. So his friend saw the figure, went on his shift, and died. Okay. And the officer was afraid to go into work because he felt death. Yeah. And he was worried because the same thing had happened to his friend. Understandable. That same evening, Bill was on his way to work at the taxi company and he started to feel a pain in his chest. He thought maybe it was some gas, so he took some Maalox Max. Uh, but he knew it wouldn't take the pain away. He knew he knew it wasn't the thing. Uh, the gas. It reached a point that he clutched his chest and pulled the car over. The pain only worsened as time went on. He quickly became concerned that he was going to die, so he put his car in gear and headed to South End Hospital. He was like, no, I'm gotta go. Now, he barely made it to the emergency room because the pain was so intense. A nurse came to him, felt his skin, which was freezing. She was going, or he was going into some sort of shock and asked for a blanket. The nurse brought it and then ran a panel of tests. He didn't believe her answer when she, when he asked if he was okay. Uh, and she told him, yeah, you're fine. Anxiety crept into his thoughts because she also said it kind of hesitantly. Right. He felt the familiar rumble <laughs> start to form in his chest and he thought maybe it was some terrible gas. But then he burst out a loud roar making the nurses jump back from the gurney. He knew at that moment the change was coming over him. His hands involuntarily curled into claws. His growls became more powerful, and he rose from the gurney, despite the nurses urging him to lie back down. I would not be in the room anymore. No, me either. Um, Undeterred, or I'm sorry, he took a swipe at the nurse, but missed by inches. Undeterred, from helping Bill, she put a hand on his shoulder and guided him to lie back down. But as soon as his head hit the pillow, he roared and struck the nurse. Grabbing her arm, he bit her below her elbow, her elbow, <laughs> her elbow, causing her to bleed and scream out. And that is my last night as a nurse. Right. I'm not dealing with that. That's insane. Now, Bill latched on as if he meant to devour the meat. So he was trying to rip it off of her. Uh, if he could, he also was like pulling at her. So he was like trying to rip her arm away from the body. Right. 
The woman wrestled to get away unsuccessfully, and the other nurses went out to find some help. So he's just going to keep chewing on her until they find someone to help. At that moment, the policeman that had the feeling of doom in him was dropping by the ER to grab a free cup of coffee. He had been in his shift for two hours, and all oppressive feelings had already dissipated. He was like, oh, nothing's happening. I'm two hours in, nothing bad. He would come to the hospital as part of his normal patrol to make sure he had the ability to help if he was needed, and also free coffee. He was finishing the last dredges of his coffee when he heard the nurse scream out and saw the other one run out. Police officer looked and said, not my monkey, not my circus. No, he said uh, uh, there was an intern that ran to the source and as they approached, um, they heard what sounded like an animal growling in the room. So the officer thought, you know, the dog had entered the hospital and had attacked the nurses. And when he got into the room, he was very baffled by what he saw. Crouched in a corner was Bill, looking like a man, possessed from the descriptions in the Bible. Uh, like like how Herod, or uh, how Nebuchadnezzar looked, like wild hair and long claws and stuff. He was keeping the two nurses hostage and throwing furniture around as if it was just a piece of cardboard. He was growling, and the officer could hardly believe the sound was coming from this human. The monster in the corner looked less like a human to the officer and more like a predator. Not... <laughs> but, you know... Like a... Like a wolf. Yeah. He tried to talk to Bill, but he was not willing to respond, flashing hatred all around the room. He seemed to be like an animal cornered. The intern and the cop decided to try and restrain the man to the bed, which did have restraints. It's one of those gurneys. Dodging chairs and inching forward to, uh, to him, the cop kept trying to establish dialogue with Bill, and at last or at his last plea, Bill launched himself into the arms and grabbed for the man with clear intent to bite him. The intern grabbed him and put him in a restraining hold before throwing him to the cop and the two men <laughs> like hot potato, right? uh, and the two men strapped him down to the bed. The policeman then threw handcuffs on him for good measure. The doctor eventually came and gave Bill some Thorazine before moving on with his day. None of the involved parties understand what it is that they've just witnessed. Bill eventually came to and was terrified, having no memory of what had happened. I would be too. And he also found his way, or on his way, to run well when he woke up, which is a mental hospital. I bet. So he was like, huh? Where am I going? If if these other people visibly saw a wolf, like... It's not that they're seeing a wolf. It's that they're seeing wolf-like features. So he still looks like a human, but his face is contorted in a way that makes him look like how you would picture the wolf man or something like that. Um, so, not to mention, what are you going to do with someone that can turn their face into a wolf? You can't just let him yeah, out. Yeah, but what's a mental hospital going to do with them? Hide them? Yeah, I guess. This is during a time yeah. where you hid you hid your embarrassments. That's true. Bill eventually, uh, or I'm sorry, 
he's being sent without his consent because he tried to eat a couple of people. Now, all the while this was going on, the Warrens were investigating major haunting cases. They were getting mail from prospective clients and books from college professors to fact check. One such, which is really cool to me. Like, I know there's a lot of controversy over some of their cases being real or fake or how much they really had to do with stuff. But it is cool that they're being asked to fact check stuff. One such book was in the mail one day and immediately drew Lorraine to it. Now, that's because she's a A psychic. Yep. That thing. Anyway, I am the most skeptical person when it comes to that. I think it's bull. Eh, I don't know. And if it isn't bull, it's not okay. Like, biblically, the Bible is not okay with that. But at the same time, if I had psychic powers, I I would try and focus it hard on the stock market what goes up i used to like believe that stuff like i've had palm readings and tarot readings and i believed them because every reader told me the same thing basically that i was going to have two kids i was going to marry the person i was with at the time and i was going to be successful in a career well (laughs) i got divorced i got remarried i had another baby and i don't have a job so, all of you were wrong if you're listening. Thank you. That's so... And I would like my money back. <laughs> you're successful in love. Yeah. I'm never leaving you. Ever. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Bunch of liars. Oh, man. Anyway, the book had a chapter called The History of the Werewolf, and she turned right to it. She took it inexplicably to the couch and read the chapter for over an hour, riveted by the information. She found that the origins of the werewolf are lost in antiquity. Some scholars believe that it spawned out of tribal cannibalism. Tribes that had left this way of life saw the ones that had continued in it as having souls of predators, most notably lions and canine entities. And with time, it became apparent that many cultures had the fear of a wolf-like creature hunting man at night. Hmm. In fact, we can I see... I would be more scared of a lion. Well, yeah, definitely. Than I would of a wolf. I'm not they both are pack hunters. That would see the wolf and be like, "Come here, cute baby." Uh, uh-uh, no, wolves are much, much bigger. Like, and you don't think I would still be like, "Come here"? No, because they're like six feet tall, man. If I wasn't driving, I would have done it to the coyote I saw. I will get killed by a dog one day. That's how my life will end. That's not okay. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. What's that dude you watch? The little, the white woman will bring home. Yes. Here's a... my new pet, as it's a coyote. Yeah. Please don't let him around Zoe. <laughs> With time, it became apparent that many cultures had a fear of the wolf-like creature. In fact, we can see that today by the fact that werewolves continue to be as popular as vampires, and the fact that while the Greeks were the first to put a name to it, lycanthropy natives, or I'm sorry. Uh, the Greeks called it lycanthropy. 
which is where we get the word lichen, which is Greek for werewolf. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, what? I don't understand what lichen. But, like, just say like. I wasn't understanding. Wow. That. <laughs> um, natives here in America have the skinwalker, and to the lesser extent, a wendigo. And a wendigo is not a wolf-like creature, but it is a human that through cannibalism has become something else. Yeah. A different creature entirely. Man becoming creatures has anciently been a part of every culture. She kept reading while in bed and fell asleep with the book falling to her chest. Ed took the book, kissed his wife lovingly. Both he and his wife were unaware how important this book would be to their future. They seem like they were such a cute little married couple. They do. They were only two days away from a trip to England. Now, Bill got out of his, or out from his overnight stay in Runwell, and his life now seemed to be life before the asylum and then after it. Bill told people in interviews that his friends and family weren't afraid of him, but they kept their distance. If I suddenly decided to bite people and attack after some sort of psychotic break, I would hope people would fear me. I don't think, like, we have children. I don't think I'd let you around them. I'd be like, he tried to eat somebody. <laughs> like, multiple people. Yeah. And we have children and a baby. Please don't let him back into my house. You keep him there in the psych ward. But if I'm loving towards you guys. Yeah, uh-uh. No. You tried to eat people. You stay away from my babies. <laughs> Nearly a year and a half after the incident uh, at the hospital, Bill got out of bed to use the bathroom. Uh, and it was only an overnight stay. He only went for a uh, 24-hour... Who's that? I'll tell you later. Anyway, here we go. want to make sure we're doing all right, yes. And we didn't get any of that conversation. We didn't get any of that conversation. It's all right. So, nearly a year and a half after the incident, Bill gets out of the bed to use the bathroom. And as he walks past the TV, or at living room, he knows that the TV is on and something made him... I'm sorry. <clears throat> he walks by the room with the TV. He walks over to the TV for no, one, for no known reason and turns it on. And what comes through the screen was the silver-colored movie of Lon Chaney changing front and center into a werewolf. Bill was terrified that it was some kind of omen and he quickly flipped the TV off going <laughs> going back to bed. No, he turned I, it off. If I can't see it, it's not happening. Well, I just I just meant flip the TV oh. off and I but I stuck the middle finger up because I'm rude. That is but rude. we're in a school parking lot. Ow. Children don't know anything. No, they're not. They're inside. These are all parents, and they all do the same thing. Bill often would go visit his mother after his father's death, and he would leave feeling much better than the night before. He left his mother's home January 28, 1984, feeling relaxed and happy. It was not until he was some distance from his mother's house that his mood abruptly changed. He began to feel the change and drove as fast as he could in the slippery snow to get to the hospital. This was the night he attacked the nurse and the two patients. Hold on, I want to make sure I'm right. Because I feel like it was June, but I could be wrong. 
December 5th. I wrote yeah. the date wrong. I wrote the date wrong. My bad. Because when you said it, I was thinking that was yesterday. Like, obviously not the year, but yesterday oh, right. was December 5th. Um, now, on his way to jail for this event, <laughs> uh, he tried to explain that he couldn't control his actions, but the men weren't listening. They'd written him off as a violent drunk. He was put in an interrogation room and answered questions for a long time. He asked if he could call Nina, but the cop would just say, later. He then was led to a cell and put into the cage. He watched from the cell while new prisoners came in handcuffs past the cell. He prayed that he wouldn't be there overnight. He was eventually brought before the police surgeon who told him everything. That's when the guys suggests that they send him back to Runwell because you think you're turning into a wolf. Right. Big man. Bill was not was not keen on this option because of how his friends and family had treated him after his last overnight stay. Not to mention he knew what he was going through was not something normal like a mental issue. I'm not sure he's qualified to make that decision. Right. However, there is something to everybody thinking he looks predatory. Yeah. In these events. Even I would think it was strictly just like a mental health issue, except for other people reporting this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Not to mention he's smacking people into a wall. Yeah. And I mean, even that, like... He threw someone into one. We'll call them spicy people so that it's not Spicy people strength? Yes. Spicy people have a lot more strength than non-spicy people do. Can we just call them crazy people? Because you say, nice. But you say spicy people, and I'm thinking, like, OnlyFans, because it's hot. I'm thinking of, like, like, oh, it's right here, but I can't get it out. Like, that's what she said. Like, instead of saying, oh, this person has severe ADHD. No, they're just spicy. I know, like, it's more serious than ADHD, but like... I I love you. You're, you're a spicy person. You're a spicy I'm person. I'm a spicy person. You're window liquor. <laughs> I'm a spicy person because I can't go to my therapy appointments. <laughs> now, um... Even though the surgeon was clearly disappointed that he wouldn't be returning to the institution, Bill was allowed to return home. He was told that if he came back in the same state, he was going to be given no choice in the matter. Oh, no. Oh, he, he threw up? That's what I said. Huh. We just found out Jacob threw up on his sweater. On his sweatshirt. Whoops. <laughs> um, so, after the, after the event of this attack, Bill felt the pressure from family and friends. Terrified that another episode would come on, he made a series of life changes. He's, his wife stopped making red meat and instead cooked fish and served him salads. This didn't really have a desired effect because he was still anxiety-ridden. Ridden. Uh, that he it got too hot on the bus why did it not tell us 
Um, Poor boy. Poor boy, indeed. But he was pretty sure he was going to be consumed by the wolf again. Over time, Bill did start to calm down, and so did the people in his life. He no longer felt like a criminal as he walked down the town that he was born in. Now, he thought maybe his issue was finally behind him, which is a pattern. Right. That's how it goes. But there still was one problem. He was still having terrible nightmares of him transforming into a wolf while running down a dirt road. His eldest daughter was a nurse, and he began sneaking her textbooks, which made me laugh. Right. Because what kind, like, a creep sneaks into his daughter's room and molests her, right? This creep is sneaking into his daughter's room to steal textbooks. <laughs> I mean, that's better than molest. Well, he's trying to diagnose what it was he was experiencing, and through his search, he had not a lot of luck until he came on the term lycanthropy. As we've discussed, it is a Greek word. That was in a nurse book? Yeah. Because lycanthropy is a condition of the mind in which the afflicted believes they are a werewolf. It's a documented thing. The symptom matched his ailments and now Bill was truly concerned that he was mentally ill. He read about similar cases, and we can do a whole episode on werewolves in general because we've done skinwalkers, we've yeah. done were- vampires, so why not werewolves? There's the Beast of Bray Road, there's uh, the the Dog Man, like there's a whole bunch of werewolves, yeah. local legends and stuff. Um, but he found that several cases were similar to his in some way or another. One case in particular made a reoccurring theme in his nightmares, and that was the 1798 case of Jean-Paul Grenier, who would steal, kill, and share a feast of babies with wolves in the forest. In Bill's dream, he would be walking as a man and then see a woman and wish to tear her apart, not in a fun way. And then he would transform and fulfill his wish. The only time it affected his soul was when he would wake and remember his dreamy act of savagery. One night, the fear and pressure would boil over. There was a young prostitute named Amy working a pickup zone and felt something terrible was going to happen that night. On the night in question, Bill had a company van that he was driving so he could drop off co-workers from one of the other jobs that he had taken because of the slow economy. Afterward, he decided to stop in at the pub and meet some friends for a drink. He became That's his problem. He, needs to stop he became increasingly too drunk and still decided to drive home. He took a route that was going to take him right through the red light district. And then he came upon Amy and in his telling of events decided to make a citizen's arrest. <laughs> he was going to get her in the van and then drive her to the police station. Amy, however, tells a different story. She says she knew when she saw Bill he wasn't looking for a girl that night. He wasn't looking to hook up with anyone. Yeah. She knew that. She said that he followed her closely and then rushed forward and cut her off, which worried her at first. Then Bill asked her to get into the car, and from the way he sounded, he seemed real sheepish and completely non-dangerous. Like, he was like this little squirrely guy. That is... Those are the ones you gotta watch out for. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're sure of that? Are you, you've spent many days as a prostitute, have you? <laughs> no. 
I've spent many days as a woman, though. Oh, and it's always enough. the squirrely little fucks that you have to goodness gracious be nervous about. <sighs> anyway, she immediately, or she noticed his eyes, which seemed to be starving while they watched her. She immediately was creeped out and tried to walk away from him, but he called her back. And when she asked what he wanted from her, he told her she knew what he wanted. And she smiled, thinking she was about to have another client. She got into the car, and they began driving. What? This, she did, he knew what she wanted. We're going to the police. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Uh, she got into the car, and they began driving. They sat in silence for about three blocks, and she asked if everything was okay. By the sound of her voice, Bill could tell she was scared, and, and he enjoyed it. She became increasingly panicked, and he finally told her he was putting her under citizen's arrest. <laughs> oh, I'm going to call this episode Bill Ramsey, the citizen arresting werewolf. Yes. Oh, man, that's too good. Anyway, at this point, Amy becomes desperate. And she screams that Bill's a lunatic. Because what kind of person right? gets this woman in this, this basically a sex slave in your car. And you're going to be like, I'm going to take you to the police. Ah! <laughs> um, so, they pulled to the police station and Amy just ran inside. She was like, you're right. No, I'm going right. right now. Because he was acting like a nutcase. He got out of the van and started to walk to the police station, growling as he went. Because what says, don't shoot me better than... Which, I don't know. Do cops have guns in England? I feel like they don't. Yeah, because they killed them dogs. Oh. Um, Ugh. Don't even get me started. Well, that might be a newer rule. I think there was there a point was where no cops didn't have guns. I feel whatsoever. like... And now they're banning all pit bulls. <sighs> okay. By the... I'm about to be mean. <laughs> Continue. So, just as he's heading forward, a police officer was rounding the corner and coming into Bill's crosshairs. The officer's name was Terry, and he had come outside to check on Amy's story of a weird abduction. Which, let's be fair... That was some some weird shit. Right. Um, when he came outside, he noticed that the dogs in the kennels out back were going insane. Like, they were just flipping out. Yeah. He went around the corner, saw the van, and saw Bill standing motionless watching Terry. And he appeared drunk. The only thing that Bill answered was his name. When the officer went to guide him inside, he jerked away. The officer then began to get nervous because Bill is growling at him. And the officer thought one of the dogs had gotten out because he didn't understand because it didn't right. sound like a person. It sounded like a real growl. He turns to look and then Bill grabbed the dude and threw him down, pinning him to the ground. He took his now clawed up hand and started to tear at the officer's clothes. Better than his face, I it, guess. Well, the cop tried various methods to get Bill off, but eventually Bill started to strangle Terry out. Two other officers came and helped Terry up. They eventually tried to sedate Bill, but it was not working. They were really struggling to gain control over this wild man they had in their midst. Twelve 
officers were fighting this man and he was still overpowering them. They they were able to get him into a cell and a doc jabbed him. That's He's, also Spicy's strength. Yeah. He started to seize and throw himself around. He knew where he was going to wake up. Uh, like rock, he was... What was that play? Rock? Runwell. Runwell. I was like a rock road. <laughs> he took 10 minutes knowing that Runwell was in his future. Or I'm sorry. Uh, he was aware of everything he was doing, but was not the one moving his body. He was not doing yeah. it. He could see what he was doing, but he was not the one doing it. He knew Runwell was going to happen. He spent 10 days of a 28-day sentence in the facility because there was no explanation as to how a fully rational man thinks he's becoming a wolf, gains strength through the delusion, and then once it subsides, that strength is gone and the delusion is gone. So they're like, we can't explain because like Canthropy, they believe they are getting all this stuff. So how do you treat people who have this then? I'm not sure. Is there like a medication or... I don't know. It's such a rare thing. I don't even know if people suffer from it today. I don't know if it was like a culture-specific illness, like mental illness or not. How do you spell it? L-Y-C-A-N-T-H-R-O-P-Y. Antidepressants and mood regulation regulating medications. They might also give you antipsychotics. I would hope so. But needless to say, they were like, this doesn't explain the symptoms. We don't understand what it is. We got to get him out right. of here. There's no real reason to have him here. So Ed and Lorraine Warren first heard about Bill on the television while they were in England. You can also cure them by a... But with a wish. With a wish? Yes. What? It says, how do I get rid of a lichen, whatever. Lycanthrope? Yes, curse. Because sometimes it can be a curse. Um, well, that sounds like we should save that for our werewolf okay. episode. Okay. Save that information, yeah. Now, the news report talked about his frequent attacks and how normal Bill was or otherwise. Ed thought immediately there's something wrong here, but also they collectively decided they weren't really that interested in it because of the fact that they were there doing other things. However, the more Lorraine thought about it, the more she thought it, it was their kind of thing. Yeah. They were going to the Moors to investigate apparitions and in between the investigations the werewolf case was invading her mind more and more she felt that the man needed help so the next day she called the south end police station to find out all that she could before she involved ed she didn't want to be accused of like falling for a hoax or so she spoke to detective constable low who described a man that had become like a wild animal. He was still physically a man, but there was not a trace of humanity in his attacks. Wanting to get involved, she set up a meeting with the detective and persuaded Ed to go in with her, which I don't think she had to persuade Ed too much because my exact reading of this was Ed thought it was a demon. But it seems to me that it was weird that he didn't want to take that case. 
Like, he was yeah. like, it's not really interesting to me. But he said Ed immediately thought Bill had a demon. Interesting. So it seemed like it was right up there wheelhouse but maybe ed was like if it is anything it's a demon but i yeah. doubt it's a anything so um she gets ed she persuades ed to go in with her and even after me- their meeting everyone was still skeptical of bill ramsey's claims it was hard to believe werewolves were real let alone demonic werewolves Ed still reserved his thoughts about the situation, wanting to remain objective, but he was leaning towards this as some ludicrous bull that we're dealing with here. Um, So after going through all the details of the reported attacks, uh, Ed and Lorraine decided, let's meet Bill. Let's find out what's going on there. The real question is, you know, would Bill be willing to meet them? He had become reclusive uh, since returning from the hospital and he may, yeah, he may not want to put himself in that mind state again. You know, it was, you don't want triggers as it were. Right. The Ramseys did meet with the Warrens and their friends in the back of a restaurant. You know, they, the friends they were investigating the Moors with, they were like, why don't you come have dinner with us and we'll talk about what is going on. Maybe we can help. Maybe, maybe it's nothing we can do, but at least you get a free meal out of it. Yeah. I'd go. Yeah. The Warrens were engrossed by Bill's retelling of events that had plagued his life, and though their own research, or, or through their own research, they had become familiar with certain parts of the case, but not with uh, the amount of detail that Bill was able to provide, because it was happening to him. As Bill told them of when he was nine, Ed made a strange face as if something had struck him in particular. After hearing everything Bill had told them, Ed told Bill he was being possessed by the spirit of a wolf. Bill thought he was joking. Honestly, this explanation sounds like it came right out of Ed's butt. Okay. So you're being possessed by the spirit of a wolf. What's that wolf's name? Wolf. Wolfie. Wolfie. It's actually Balto. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't he half wolf? Wasn't that his story? I think he was a husky, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure he had he was half wolf. Maybe he was. I know he brought vaccines to children yes. to save them. He's a good dog. He was. He was a good boy. <laughs> um so Bill hears this. Ed is very serious, however, and Bill he asks Bill to come to the States and meet their friend Bishop McKenna. Bill explained we can't afford that, and Ed was like We'll, we'll pay for all the expenses. You come down, we'll pay for everything. Where did they get money from? Or they're, did they? Well, they had, the, um, they had the museum, I think, at this point. Because it's the early 80s. So I think they had right. the, uh, the museum at this point. And they were still haunting, taking cases. And they were being paid to lecture at colleges and stuff, too. Well, because it just seems like that a lot of their cases, they didn't really charge people. They like, well, I, I they mean, could. we don't we don't really hear about whether or not they charge people. That's true. That, but they probably I just think did. They were just good enough people to not. Well, you got to make a living somewhere. And, yeah. But they are like throughout their entire life. I think they were consulting on cases and teaching. Are you getting hot? Just a little bit. Um, and doing co- college lecture tours. And stuff like that. They were 
they weren't home a whole lot, which both of them describe uh, a feeling of guilt for not being as home or being home as much as as they should have been as parents. But they were also like, you know, we we were still trying to feed our family through all this stuff that was going on. You know, we were trying to do what we could. Plus, they were famous at this point. So Bill was still on the fence, but the thing that pushed him over to do it was when a reporter started snapping pictures of his house. He knew that the story would just reappear in the papers, and he wanted to stop being part of the news cycle. So the Warrens invited them out again, and they accepted. They told the Warrens they would go to the U.S. with them, but the Warrens had some work to do first because they were still in the moors. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen several times when the Warrens have shown up, they leave to do other cases and then come back. Right. On the day of departure, Bill expressed his anxiety about going, saying that it wouldn't be worth the trouble if it didn't work. Ed told him that positive thinking and religious faith would take care of the problem. With the arrangements made, it was time for Bill to hop the pond with an animal and become or and come home empty handed. Oh, I like my phrase in there. The first night they were in the U.S., Bill had an attack in their room. He was naked, hunched over on the floor, growling. I'm done. Nope, I'm going right back to England. Now you've taken your clothes off? (laughs) No, thank you. Um... Let's see here. Nina walked up to him, not wanting to startle him. She gently placed her hand on his shoulder. Bill whirled it round, and she said that a whole other species was looking back at her. She tried to reason with him. She saw the darkness leave his eyes, and Bill returned to them. The next morning, he told her that he dreamed he was actually trapped in the wolf's body. He slammed his wall with his fist, and he said he was scared that the Warrens couldn't help him. He didn't know what would become of them. Because he was like, I can't, I can't stay married to you like this. This is going right. to punish you and the kids. I can't keep doing this to you guys. Not to mention it's scary. Yeah. The Warrens had spoken for hours to Bishop McKenna, who was a traditional Catholic. Uh, and what that was, was a movement where the Second Vatican Council... Uh, in Rome insisted on mass being said in English and some other doctrinal stuff. Many priests and dioceses broke away from the church to observe the traditional ways. So Latin mass, we're not doing it in English. Nobody needs to know what we're saying. That yeah. typical bull crap that they did. Um, so McKenna is an actual priest through the Vatican. It's just that they were like no thank you sir we are going to do things the normal way Yeah. Uh, I think this is just the girls getting out of practice oh okay well it was through this movement's leaders that McKenna was made a bishop so it wasn't exactly sanctioned by the church but they are members of the catholic church they're just like greek orthodox people type thing a down on his luck. I could be wrong. I don't know how Catholics view Greek Orthodox or any of those Orthodoxes. I they were almost like the same. I, f- I feel like they are, but I don't know enough about the Catholic schisms and their views on how these things. Because Catholics are very much, if you don't toe our line, you're yeah. six feet under our line kind of deal. So I don't know how that works. Plus, I do know 
one of the orthodoxies have their own pope. So I imagine yeah. they're not down with that business. Now, there was a down-on-his-luck reporter that caught wind of the proceedings and decided to pounce, smelling an opportunity. He was like, yeah, I'm going to have me a good story. He went to his boss to push this story to him. He wanted to cover an exorcism, like in the movie, we're all familiar with. Yeah. Oh, man, Believer was so good, though. It was really good. It wasn't as creepy or scary as I thought, but it was really good. His boss agreed, and Rick went to find out everything he could. That was the reporter's name. I don't know if I said that. Now, before Bill could go through with his exorcism, he was to, or he was made to take a series of medical tests. They really wanted to cover all their bases. They uh, then met with McKenna, who went over what would occur. McKenna told him it does not always work, and Bill said he understood. He was like, all right, well, I I mean, we've been saying this entire time that something was going to go wrong, whatever. The night before the exorcism was a night of restlessness for Nina. She watched cars go by and imagined what it would be like to be an American. She silently fantasized about her and Bill just driving as fast as they could down the highway on their way to Hollywood and Disneyland. She did everything she could not to think about the events taking place the next day. And she finally fell asleep at 416. Such a specific time. Yeah. She didn't get much time to relax because Bill immediately started growling in his sleep, which woke her up. However, this time Bill was up and moving. The spirit seemed to know, or spirit seemed to now have complete control over Bill and seemed to know what was happening. So it slowly turned to Nina and watched her with the eyes that were colored ruby. Or colored like ruby. I don't know why I said colored ruby. <laughs> His lips were curled back in a snarl and his hands were claw-like once again. She cried out his name and tried to escape, but Bill snagged a finger 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 a finger on the strap of her nightie and forced his body on top of her. This is not what you think. Okay. He's just trying to kill her, not assault her. Okay. It's better. Um all the while he ripped her fabric apart and panic started to sweep through her she tried unsuccessfully to push him away so her only hope now would be to try and pull back or pull bill back to the surface to get him to get control of this thing she calmly said his name and told him she wanted him to stop all the while she's using the ball of her hand to keep bill's face away from her because he's trying to eat her face the more she pleaded the angrier he seemed to get. She grabbed his upper arms to try and push him away and felt the muscles of his back and they felt as if they were canine. Like how Zoe's muscles feel. They're just continuous. There's no stopping point. That's what she said she felt. Zoe is a a beastly girl. He tried to rip her throat out like a wild animal, but she was able to keep his mouth at bay. Oh my. However, his hands found her throat and he started squeezing while he drooled on her and growled intensely. See, and that's why you said you were only hurting other people. No, (laughs) no, you ain't getting that chance. She was able to knock him off balance with her hand and rolled off the bed. 
and it escaped his grasp to reach the desk in the room. She grabbed an empty glass bottle uh, of soda to defend herself as she repeatedly told Bill that she loved him. Bill seemed to come back to his senses and backed away from Nina, the ruby color vanishing from his eyes. He stood in the middle of the floor, panting from energy spent, and then he cried out for his wife to help him as he collapsed into her arms. Nina said a silent prayer that the exorcism exorcism exorcism, exorcism will work, and they fell asleep on the floor with Bill's head cradled into Nina's lap. The reporter in the morning was recovering from a fairly bad hangover, and as he was looking in <laughs> his course. mirror to get ready for the day, he saw a black smudge on his forehead. He leaned. This is one of the one of the only paranormal events that really happens. Like one of the ones that's like, oh, that's not just someone's mind. That's a thing. Okay. Um, he had a black smudge on his forehead. He he leaned in to get a better look because there most certainly was a pattern and in closer inspection he knew what he was seeing in the smudge and it creeped him out because he was seeing a pentagram in the smudge he thought someone had seemingly stamped a five point pentagram on his forehead he tried to clean it with soap and water but it wouldn't come off he shaved showered and headed out to see monsignor brennan he wasn't here as a reporter. He was here as a Catholic who was scared and wanted help. When the man asked Fargo, which is his name, Rick Fargo, uh, what he could do for him, Fargo tried to tell him that there was a pentagram on his forehead that needed to go, which confused the Monsignor because he couldn't see what Rick was talking about. He told the Monsignor that he had seen it in the rearview mirror just before coming into the building. He asked if the housekeeper would bring him a mirror and the Monsignor fulfilled his request and told Rick to sit. He then uh, left to go get one of uh, uh, to go get a mirror, and one of Rick's hands started to shake real bad. When he got the mirror, he quickly lifted it to his face and breathed a sigh of relief. Why? Because the mark was still there, so he didn't feel like he was insane. Although, if I have a mark on my head and no one else can see it, I would feel crazy. Right. Even if you did bring me a mirror, I don't. I don't want to see. Right. Um, he pointed directly to it, but the priest still could not see it. Rick was about to leave when the priest told him to sit down. <laughs> he then asked what he was doing to invite the devil in his life, and Rick gave him a 20-minute discourse on his whole life. And then the priest asked an interesting question. He asked if Rick had been dreaming. Rick said he thought so, but he wasn't sure if it was really a dream. In the dream, he had been running from a young woman, and he wasn't sure why. He kept running, and when he turned to look at the woman as she closed in, he saw that she was actually some diseased hag. She looked like a corpse. Oh. At this, the priest said, they don't want you there. Meaning because he had told him about the investigation he was going to do into Bill Ramsey's case. Right. So the priest said, they don't want you there. And when Rick asked who the priest told him, what? When Rick asked who, the oh, when, so when Rick asked who doesn't want me there, the priest told him, you know who. He told Rick not to go to that church because they didn't want the exposure. 
the demonic wanted to this to remain contained. He told Rick that that was the reason only he could see the pentagram. He told him that the pentagram would go away once the exorcism worked. So Rick left for the 50-mile trip back home. He went 50 miles to get this done. Right. To deal with this. The reporter was driving from the area he had met the Monsignor and felt that he had to drive past the church. As he drove by, he stopped his car. Eventually, the car behind him started to just violently honk because he's in the middle of the street. So he just pulled over to the curb and then he just kind of like seemed to be hypnotized by the church and he couldn't look away. So 15 minutes later, he feels sick to his stomach. Touch of the flu. (laughs) (laughs) Next time I get sick, I need you to come to the doctor with me. So you can tell him you have a touch of the flu. You're going to yell that. There's a Santa Claus in that dude's seat. I, I couldn't figure out what it was. At first, I thought it was a flag. I was like, no, why do they have a lit up flag in there with It's that? a Santa Claus. That's cute. Little inflatable Santa Claus. He climbed out of the car and headed across the street to the church. When he tried to open the front door, he found it unlocked, so he just goes on inside. He was not one to be told what to do, even by a Monsignor. And fair enough, they have weird little hats. It was dark and shadowy inside the building, which only added to his sense of dread. Then why are you in here? Right. As he looked around, everything seemed normal, and yet he still thought to himself that he shouldn't have come. No! Oh, sorry, I accidentally (laughs) exited out of the document. Darkness proceeded to fill the church, and the the reporter knew he had made a giant mistake. He heard in the short distance across the auditorium a confessional door open. And when he looked, he saw an evil creature pouring out of its doorway. It was wrapped in rags as if homeless. And Rick ran as fast as he could out of the door. He yeah. got in his car, was home in within 20 minutes, and grabbed his 38. Oh, would too. Uh had it loaded and by his bed. This was his last foray into the supernatural. He was like, no, thank you. I'm not going to be here for this. Here comes the child. Robert McKenna had performed 50 exorcisms and only had a 40% success rate. Will you let him in your door? Yeah. Because my knee. Yeah. Let me pause the recording, I suppose. And my blanket. We now have Jacob back in the car so we'll try and keep our language child appropriate. So Robert McKenna, as we said, had a 40% success rate which is, in my opinion, quite bad. Yeah. He, well, honestly, he's only done, no, that's less than 50. He's done 50 exorcisms. He'd performed 50 exorcisms. He only had a 40% success rate. That means only about 20 of them were successful. Right? Less than 20, because 25 would be 50%. Yeah. Man! That's bad. Anyway, I would not trust this dude. I would be very, very iffy about having an exorcism, because I have such bad anxiety. And I feel like most of them don't work. We have never read a case where it didn't work. Yeah, but in the movies, they don't work. That people usually die. Only one person died in that last one we watched. The crucifixion, everybody remained okay. And 
the exorcism, or yeah, the exorcism of Emily Rose. She died. Yeah, she did. And die. that is a true. It's based on true events. Yeah, that's uh, and Michelle. We we did her yeah. story, I believe. So anyway, either way, I'm not trusting this dude to do to do this. You know, um, but to each his own, I suppose. He had on traditional priestly garb for an exorcism, and he had his tools of the trade. Bill, Nina, Ed, and Lorraine, and four off-duty cops were all ready to perform the ritual. Also, there were the reporters David Alford and John Cleave, who had paid Bill's way to this moment. Can we talk about the fact that they didn't want Rick, but they're okay with these two reporters being there? Yeah. They're like, Rick, you get out of here. No, you're no good. You woke up with a hangover. <laughs> we don't want you reporting our story. What's your kind here? As soon as they entered the church, Bill became agitated. He went and sat in the chair that was in the middle of the room that faced the altar. McKenna said a few words in Latin and signaled that the event was beginning. He demanded that the demon identify itself and then leave. Bill just stared at the priest, thinking this wouldn't work. He even thought this whole thing was a little ridiculous and had to stifle some giggles when the man started shouting at him in Latin. Which, to be fair, if I had someone going, Lucaeum Macanapa! I'd be like, uh, okay. I, I would probably laugh. Yeah. Like, not to be disrespectful, but because it would be awkward and well, just weird. His wife... Nina felt the same way. They weren't sure what to expect, but certainly not something so comical. Uh, where were the lights, the winds, the massive raw power of demonic energy? This band was wearing a scarf and yelling in what might as well be gibberish to the other man, who thought he was becoming a wolf. What... <laughs> What Bill and Nina couldn't tell was that the demon was fighting back and using Bill to do it. The priest was confident that the exorcism would work, and he had rarely had that kind of confidence. What kind of person are they going to? Why didn't Ed do the exorcism? He's not able to. He does it in the movies. Yeah, that's because it's for dramatic effect. If they had to leave to get a priest every time they had to do an exorcism in a movie, they'd add an extra 30 minutes. Well, sometimes, maybe in real life, you don't have that time. I don't think Ed is... I, I, I could look it up, but I'm pretty sure he's never performed an exorcism because he's not able to. Like, even though I believe if you're a Christian, you ought to be able to, there's something about authority and whatnot that people yeah. fall to. Plus he it's someone that gets rid of ghosts. No. So um I imagine because Ed is a Catholic. So he's not going to try and take the position of a priest that he hasn't tried, you know, he hasn't gone through the whatever to do. So Bill, uh, after 30 minutes, McKenna held the cross on his scarf up to Bill's forehead and then demanded that the demon leave. Bill started thrashing around like an addict going through withdrawals. 
And this is where Bill just starts fighting with the demon for control. As he struggled, his face would switch from wild man back to Bill, back to wild man, back to Bill. His hand shot out to tear open the bishop's face, and the four policemen jumped on him right away to restrain him. The preacher held a crucifix and pushed it into Bill's face. This drove the entity inside Bill wild, and he came out of the chair trying to kill the priest. The man retreated away from the wolf and passed through the altar gates. When Bill followed, he suddenly became weak. The cold that had seized him was thawing out. His desire to attack the priest left him as he stood over him reciting prayers in Latin. He stumbled his way back to the chair and threw himself into it. He could feel the spirit inside of him urging him to tear this holy man apart, but its power was slipping. With a faint roar leaking out of him, Bill was returning to normal. He tried one last time to lunge from his chair at the priest, but the attempt was foiled by sleep. He got up, ran at him, and just fell asleep. His eyes began to shut, and he, he lost consciousness. That's weird. He was at peace as he fell to the warm darkness that was filling his mind. With the exorcism appearing to be successful, Bill felt as if he had been freed from a prison that he had been living in his entire life. He was telling everyone how free and peaceful he felt. The Warrens put them back on a plane to England, and Bill and Nina were set to begin their demonic-free marriage. Despite stating that he wanted to write a book, Bill Ramsey has been silent since 1992, but it seems that he and Nina have lived a, a pretty happy, normal life since. Oh, and that's the South End Werewolf. I liked it. I know it wasn't our typical scary demon possession story, but I felt like it. it it's an interesting case. Was he insane or was he not insane? Right. Because he didn't think he was possessed. He thought he was turning into a werewolf, but he didn't think anything yeah. about possession. So, was he possessed, or was that just the strength of a mind? Who knows? Who knows? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It is long, but get over it because it is fun. It's a good story. Now, I would like to tell all of my ghosts from the graveyard to follow us on our social medias. And spread the word. Write a review. Get the algorithm to pick us up so that we can get more ghosts in our graveyard. So that we can have an undead army that can take over the world and enforce our will. That being said, remember tonight to curl up your feet. Because Bill Ramsey is under there looking to make a citizen's arrest. I didn't get killed tonight. Good night.